0: Good morning, everyone. You know, following Jesus is tough to do in a crowd. It's better done either one-on-one or with a smaller group of people. And that, that's why we do life groups, which is our small group gatherings. All the tables that you saw as you came in is all about that, people who are are serving by gathering us together in smaller groups. That's what these cards are about with the QR code on the on the back. So when we gather together and, and do this, and on your way out, those tables will be there so you can check it out and talk to some of those leaders. Our, our next series coming up, I want to talk just for a minute about, about that. So our next series coming up goes from October twelfth through, through, through November sixteenth. So that, those are Thursdays, but not every group meets on a Thursday. Some meet on a Wednesday, some on a Tuesday etcetera okay? But it goes for six weeks. And what are we going to do? We're going to talk about the fact that God created us in his image. God created male and female, just like he created sun and moon, earth and sky. It's a binary concept. It goes all the way through scripture from Genesis to Revelation, that he creates us in his image. So we're going to talk about that design and the fact that that design leads to a promise. You're designed for a promise. In scripture, that's described as covenants, And when couples get married, they make a covenant, they make a promise together, because you're also designed for intimacy. Man and woman created in His image, designed for intimacy. We're designed then for purpose, because the purpose of marriage is not just so that you will be happy, or relationships, but that you will also be holy. So there's a purpose, and that leads to the next thing, you're designed for holiness. That helps change and impact not only your lives, but the lives of your family, your kids, and those around you. And finally, you're designed for love. That's why Jesus came. That's what it's all about, right? That he's the one who pursues, leaves the 99 and pursues that one, just like we sang Reckless Love. So that's what we're going to do. That's what most groups are going to do. However, there's one exception. There's one group that's going to be different. And Jeff and Danny are going to lead that group, and I'm going to help them out a little bit. It's, it's for new believers. So if you're just new to following Jesus, or you're kind of checking it out, you're still kind of in a seeker category, that's great. That's, we love the fact that you're here. And what we want to do in those six weeks is talk about who is Jesus. He wasn't just another nice guy, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about why we should read the Bible. This ancient book, why, why would we bother to read this? Uh, Is following Jesus a one-time decision? In other words, I follow him, good, I'm good, I'm done. No, actually, we do more than that, right? We move forward in life. How and why do I pray? What place does prayer have in my life? Am I just talking into the air? Is following Jesus a solo thing? Do I do that on my own, as I've talked about already? No, we do that together. And then finally, what is the kingdom of God, which encompasses a lot of what you already see there on the screen? So that is for new believers or seekers. If that's not you, but you know someone who's in that category... Help them sign up. You can sign up online, you can sign up again using that QR code which takes you online, or you can sign up uh, right as you're going out, right out here. So we'll be talking more about that as we get closer to the launch date, but we wanted to let you know those are the things that we'll be covering in the life groups. But what about Sunday morning? So we're in a series about who we are. What we did is we took our eight values that you find on our website, and we distilled it down by coupling up some values. And we're in a series talking about this is new life. And in the series, we've talked about an authentic community, a nurturing community, an empowered community. And the next two Sundays, I'll be talking about a sharing community today. And the next week, we'll talk about a generous community. And all of that kind of shows what our heart is, what our, our values are taken from scripture. So as we look, for example, at a sharing community, um, We did it all weekend. We did it on Friday and Saturday. So yesterday, there's a few photos I want to show you. We did a free barbecue. We uh, did a free car wash, free prayer. And uh, we also, with cooperation with the Kett Graduate Institute at the Claremont Colleges, we offer a free health screening for people. So we had a bunch of people show up because they were drawn in to have their car wash and other other stuff as our teens were helping the car wash. Good on our teens for helping us with that. And uh, we fed people. Say, so come get their wa- car washed. Then we fed them, got a chance to pray with them and talk to them, find a way to serve them. We had a bunch of guys who dried cars all day, it seemed like that. <laughs> They're dry, drying cars as we washed them and, and dried them. There's our, our, our food team right, right there. People basically constantly were coming in and eating, receiving prayer, getting their car washed. I mean, it went on all the time. It never stopped, really. In fact, before we even set up, we already had people in our parking lot. Before we even set up, we prayed for three or four people just in our, in our parking lot. We, we hadn't even got set up for the car wash, and we already had a lady drive in with her car. How she knew to get her car washed here? I have no idea, because our signs weren't up yet. But anyway, we had people signing up for that ahead of time, and we were able to bless people. But that's not the only thing that we did. You know, on Friday, we gave away 46,000 pounds of food That's that's 23 tons. Pastor Zamar shared this information. 23 tons. Fed 768 families, which is over 3,000, around 3,000 people. And we're now the second largest food bank in L.A. County. So if you're wondering... What does it mean to share? It shares in all different ways. But basically, our our belief is that we bless other people. We love on other people. If you're involved in the food bank and volunteering anyway, would you stand up? You're involved in the food bank? So we're gonna pray for them right now. We're going to bless them right now as representative. There was a bunch of other people in the first service that also did that. But we're going to bless Pastor Zamar and Anna and the rest who've served in the food bank. So if you're around them, we just put a hand on their shoulder. We're just going to bless them. We're going to bless them right now. This is the ways that we serve our community and love on people by giving away the love of Christ. In Matthew 14, the feeding of the 5,000 is told, the disciples see this crowd coming and the crowd, the disciples say, Get rid of them. Get rid of these hungry people. And Jesus says to his disciples, they don't need to go. You give them something to eat. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that we serve you when we serve others. Thank you that we serve you when we love on others. We thank you, Lord, for this team. We thank you for pastors Zamar and Anna and the way that they have served and persevered in serving you and feeding the poor, the disadvantaged, the homeless, we thank you, Lord, that we how we love on our neighbors and serve our neighbors. We thank you, Lord, that you have made it possible that we can do this, that all things glorify you. All things glorify you. It's about you. It's about you. It's about sharing your love with others. And we ask you to anoint and bless each one of these their households, their finances, their coming in and going out, the time that they take, the energy that they take, we ask you to bless them and multiply them as we serve our community. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I love the way that we practically love on our neighbors and, and, and serve them. And Jesus came and gave us a model. And there's some scriptures I just want to point out to you because there's a variety of ways to serve. So uh, one of the passages out of Acts 10 says this. So God anointed Jesus of, Nazarene, of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God... Was with them. That's a summary of the whole story right there that Peter shares with Cornelius and those in his household. Then Paul, writing to the Romans, says this I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. Christ has accomplished it through me in leading the Gentiles to obey um, God by what I have said and done. Declaration and demonstration. We declare and we demonstrate. By the, by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. That's how this is all, all done. He continues, or the writer of Hebrew continues and says this, This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified it by signs and wonders and various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. And finally, Jesus says this to his disciples. That, that means you. He's talking to you right now. You get it? He's talking to you right now. So let's read it together. You guys ready? Ready? One, two, three. As you go, proclaim this message the kingdom of God has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. That is the good news. So what I want you to notice on on this list, everything on this list, you can't do. Everything on this job description is impossible and get any result. Would God just do that to annoy us? I mean, why, why would he do that? because he wants us to come to him, begin to have a conversation with him, that's called prayer, listen to him, develop that relationship in such a way that he empowers and equips us to go and do that because he knows we can't do that. The only way we can do that is by a deep relationship with him. And so as you hang out with him and you spend time with him, we call that prayer and worship and reading the word, we get empowered and transformed to actually do what he said we should be doing. So you are sent, you are commissioned to go and, and do that. He sends you out. So um, I think it was in June, we did a, a course here on, um, on healing prayer, how to pray for people for healing. And so Joey, who hangs out here and, and, and works here sometimes, and I got talking and Joey told me his story. Let's, let's hear his story, actually. Can we, can we play that? Can we hear Joey's story? New Life family, welcome, Pastor Doug, talking again here. I'm with Joey, and, and uh, he and I were in the healing prayer class just a little while back, few weeks back, and uh, in it, uh, he came up to me one day and, and shared with me a story that happened to him on the job, and I thought it was so cool, so I wanted him to share a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, uh, I was picked up a friend. Uh, uh, we were going to a, a job site, and he just caught the car, and he's just, first thing, he's telling me about how he's been hurting his hand, and his shoulder's been hurting a lot, and, you know, as I'm driving, God just popped in my head, and he's like, pray for him. And I'm just like, oh, gosh, you know, like, I'm not, no, I haven't even finished my coffee. I'm like, no, I can't do this. And we just get to the job site, and we're working. We're toward the end of the the day, and we're almost finished, and he just kind of just, he stops, and he's like, I can't go anymore. He's like, I'm just, I can't do it. I'm hurt too much. And immediately again, God just popped in my head, like, pray for him. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't. And he popped back in my head and said, stop putting me in a box. And I was like, okay, you know, let me just go for it. And I just put my hand on him, held his hand, and and I prayed for healing for his hand. And uh, his, uh, (laughs) he got goosebumps, you know, I got goosebumps, and his hand got really warm, and, and he was able to move it, and it felt good, the pain went away. You know, he couldn't believe it, I couldn't believe it. God is there. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and, you know, long story short, you know, it, it was it was a crazy experience. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. So, Joe, you haven't been around, like, raising people for the day and doing a lot of the stuff before, have you? <laughs> no. No, that was actually the first time I ever prayed. That for was people. the first time. Yeah.
0: So, so the first time out of the gate, and God says, don't yeah. Go put me in a box, and you and he risked. He went yeah. out and did it. And, and, and what I love about Joe's story as well is, is this didn't happen on Sunday morning in the sanctuary. This happened out there on a construction work site uh, with people who don't follow Jesus, and and God is there. Because that's who God is. And I love that. Thanks for sharing this story. So we think that God only does this with those those people who are holy and perfect. I don't know anyone like that, but you may think you do. But you know, he does it out there with people he loves, right? Just like he does it in here. He does it out there. That's what we want to look for is where he's working, which is what Jesus does, okay? So I want to read just Luke 17, a passage that we're going to look at this morning. Luke 17, I'm going to start in verse 11. Uh, Jesus is going to be with some guys who have leprosy, which is a nasty thing. So he's on his way to Jerusalem, verse 11. He traveled uh, along the border between Samaria and, and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men with leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests, which is signed to them. but something just happened. Or it's going to happen. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God. And a loud voice threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So Jesus uh, doesn't do random, right? He, he's always following what he feels the Father, Father God is showing him to do. So he is now taking a route. It says right between the border between Samaria And Galilee, where the Jews were, right? The Jordan River area. So these are two groups of people that hate each other. There's a lot of racism, ethnic slurs, all sorts of stuff that they would throw at each other. You could bypass it by going way around. The quickest way from Galilee to Jerusalem was to go straight through Samaria. But Jews did not like to do that. Sometimes they were killed. Sometimes there were fights. All sorts of nasty things happen. So they try to avoid that. They try to avoid contact. But Jesus is deliberately going on that border between those two areas. Why? Because he always does what the Father is doing. And as he's going, verse 12 says, he was going into the village. So he's not there yet, but he's about to go in the village. He's still in a public place. He's like on the sidewalk, on the driveway. He hasn't gone in yet, right? And as he's doing that... He, um, he is listening to the Father. He wants to know what the Father is doing. He doesn't know why he's taken this route. And if you go and read the Gospels, you'll see he doesn't always take the same route. He takes different routes at different times. So why am I taking this route? He's asking Father God. And as he's going along, all of a sudden he runs into these 10 guys and he's found out what his assignment is. He just figured it out. This is, this is what he's supposed to be doing. Because Father God is doing the impossible today, just like Joey on the worksite. <laughs> Father was speaking to, to Joey. The Holy Spirit was speaking to Joey. And Joey did what we all did. Ah, I don't think so. Not today. Yes. I haven't had enough coffee, you know, whatever it is. I'm not up for this today. Not yet. But then the Holy Spirit is very patient, speaks to him again. And God bless him. He's, he's obedient. So do, do you remember a long time ago when you, you had to take a... EarthNet um, cable to plug in. you had to actually plug in to get wireless to get to get the internet, I should say. Do you remember those days many years ago before wireless came in? And now we, we, we're, we're really blessed that, that we uh, can live transmitting you know those electromagnetic signals so we all have wireless phones, right? We know this signal, we love it, we love it when the bars are really high, right? But, but I don't know about you, but we're all high, hardwired and our wires get crossed and that's what we call sin. But when we have been cleansed and redeemed, we gain the ability to hear and experience God speaking to us. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what's happening with Jesus right now. Jesus was the first one to go wireless, by the way, just so you know. He heard the Holy Spirit before anybody else, right? So he's tracking with what God is, is always doing. So he comes across 10 men with leprosy. Leprosy is incredibly disfiguring. It is the ugliest thing. I actually saw this in Africa when I was growing up in Africa because no treatment, no diagnosis. People didn't know what to do with it. Noses falling off, literally ears falling off hands, fingers falling off, and people are absolutely petrified. They're terrified. If I get anywhere near this, it's worse than COVID. I'm going to get it. You know This is going to be bad. So they, they actually fled people who looked like this and then put a limit on their ability to get close to anybody else because they didn't know how to cure it. They didn't know how people got it. They didn't know what to do with it. So they stood at a distance. Why did they stand at a distance to yell? Because the rabbis had actually got measuring and tape and said, you guys can come no closer to the village or a clean person than this distance. And it was far off. That's why they have to stand and shout they can't get close. And as they're doing that, it's like you are a stranger amongst your own people. Abraham was a stranger, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, they're all strangers in their own land. And the story of the gospel, the good news is God brings us close. God brings us home. Do Do you ever feel like you have to stand at a distance? that you're not accepted, that you've been rejected, that there's something wrong with you, that you need to stand off because you've been disfigured emotionally, mentally, however it is, and you have to stand off at a distance because you're not acceptable. Jesus doesn't know anyone who is not acceptable. He draws everyone to himself. It's only what we do in our head and our hearts that drives us away. He's the one who always receives us. In other stories, he, he touches the lepers, which means he now is unclean with them. He gets really close to them. You're not supposed to do that. And so he has this encounter with them. And as they stand off at a distance feeling labeled and rejected, etc., you know what hell is? Hell is separation from God. And that's what they're experiencing. That's what these all these ten guys are going through. But look at the way that the God story is in scripture. Look at just a couple examples. Miguel de la Torre wrote a book where he talks about how God encounters us. And he he says this, God's self-revelation to humanity does not occur from the centers of world power, but in the margins of society. It is not from the courts of Pharaoh that God's laws are unveiled to humanity, but from their slaves. Nor does the incarnation occur in the imperial palace of Caesar or in the household of the high priest in Jerusalem. Rather, he is made flesh amongst the peasants around Jerusalem. God hangs out with the tax clusters and the prostitutes, with those that have been rejected, those that are hated, those who think that they're superior. And these guys are standing at a distance crying out in a loud voice because that's the only way they, they can be heard. But what they would do is they would position themselves on that off-ramp that you take off the 10 or the 210 with a sign because he want to get by traffic because I'm going to get the best donations where the most traffic is. And so the lepers would do the same thing. So they'd be out there where they sign. I don't know if they had lawn chairs and water bottles and, you know, food from in and out with them. You know, so these guys, I look at them, they're eating better than I am. Not all of them. But, you know, they, they position themselves where, where the heaviest traffic was. Looking for a handout, looking for someone who's going to help them. And what Jesus is going to do is he's going to give them a job. You know, they couldn't work. Right? Because they can't get near anybody. So they're unemployable. And what Jesus is going to do in healing them is he's going to give them a job. He's going to make them so they can go back home. They can go back to their families. They can actually get a a job. He's going to completely transform their lives. Because when he heals, he does the whole thing. It's everything that, that he does. And so they cry out, verse 13 Jesus, master. It's really interesting. The only people in the Gospels who call Jesus master are the disciples but these guys. It's a familiar term. It, it means that they recognize something about him. What is he master of? They, they, need, they need a master. They need someone because the way life is going now, there, there is no future for them have pity on us, in words, have mercy on us. They have to go around, anytime they're in public next to anyone else, they have to go around saying, unclean, unclean, unclean. They may have had a badge, actually, that they also had on their garment. Can you imagine going around, I'm getting a complex, I'm really not feeling great about myself right now, because everywhere I go, I have to tell someone there's a problem with me. Everywhere I go, I have to say unclean. Everywhere I go, I have to declare that I'm worthless, that I have no future, that I'm dirty, that no one wants to be around me, talk about getting a complex, that I'm a diseased person. And so Jesus is gonna bring him into the kingdom because that's, that's what declaring the good news is. You see, evangelism is the practice of humility. It's not looking down your nose at somebody and saying, boy, you, you better get your act together. Humility, it comes from the Latin word humus, which means earth or ground. It means to get low. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less, right? It's, it's identifying with the hurting, the broken, the discarded, the marginalized, the rejected ones. It, it's, it's standing with them. It's standing with them and saying, I, I know you're in pain and I wanna stand with you in, in your pain. I wanna be with you in your pain. So, so yesterday, a number of people, quite a number of people that stopped and had their car washed and we prayed for and ate with us and all, um, lives are a disaster. And, and it was one sinner talking to another sinner. The only difference is I'm a forgiven sinner, but I'm still a sinner. So what makes think, us think that we're any better? Evangelism is a practice of humility. It says in verse 14, when, when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. And they knew exactly what that means, go show yourself to the priest. That means that, that something is going to happen or something has just happened. That you only go and show yourself to the priest because you're cleansed and you can be then, he's like the health inspector, you can be reintegrated back into to your home and your people, you can go back home. Otherwise, you wouldn't send them there. They know something's happening. But here's the thing. Here's the catch. They have to do something. They have to move now. You know that the majority of people that are healed is when they try to do something they couldn't have done before. The people who are physically healed, you ask them to do something. You ask them what God is doing with, you, doing with them. And the reason for it is as soon as they begin to try and do something that they couldn't do before, they discover that God has touched them. And that faith step, that action, actually accelerates healing. That's why he's sending them. On the way, they get healed. Not when they're standing still. They begin to move and they discover that they are healed. As they went, it says, their act of obedience. A famous uh, preacher, Spurgeon, wrote this. God is too good to be unkind. He is too wise to be confused. If I cannot trace his hand, I can always trust his heart. And so they go with no evidence that his hand is actually trust them, but they're going to trust his heart. And as they trust his heart, his hand comes and touches them. And you know, with so many of us, that is the case. We're waiting, We're waiting and waiting. We want God's hand to move. We want God to do certain things, but we haven't learned to trust his heart yet. And he wants us to trust his heart. And then his hand moves. So one of them, when he saw that he was healed, so he's running along and he discovers he's healed, he comes back praising God. Why does he come back to Jesus? Well, one reason is he has no priest to go show himself to. He has nowhere to go. So he's going to go back to the source of life. He's going to go back to the person that he knows. This is where it started. This is where my healing happened. He's going to go back home. Because Jesus is home. Amen. Jesus is home for him. And so he goes back where, where home is because Jesus stands with the marginalized, the rejected, the lepers, the un, unclean. He's where we all belong. He's where we come home to. And he throws himself at his feet giving thanks. And you know what that word thanks is? That means to worship that he's now worshiping. He's recognized that something entirely different has gone on and as everyone is listening to this story, Jesus blows it by saying, and he was a Samaritan. <laughs> and He's one of those dirty ones that we don't talk to. He drops the bombshell on all of them and we begin to recognize the reason that Jesus walked on the border between Samaria and, and Galilee or Jordan area, where the Jews were is because misery loves company suffering is the great equalizer that people who formerly hated each other when you're suffering and in pain all of a sudden categories change and things are different and we don't care anymore we're all miserable anyway so let's all hang out together and so Samaritans and Jews were hanging out together because they're all lepers anyway and everyone has rejected us and so Jesus asked three questions three rhetorical questions watch out for Jesus's questions watch out and what does he do? He he says to them, three questions. Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? What did he just do? He's he's speaking what they're thinking, what the Jews are thinking. The ones who are prejudiced and, and racist and have judged other people and said, no, we're the chosen ones, not them. Jesus is echoing their thoughts and convicting them as he talks. He's saying God decides who's in his kingdom. As, as we were hanging out with these people all, all through the weekend, whether it be the food bank on Friday or what we did yesterday, we're hanging out with all sorts of people who all look different. Some of them smelled very interesting. Some of them have very interesting backgrounds. Some of them come from terrible things. But guess what? So do we. And God is loving them as well, right? At the foot of the cross, We're all the same. We're all the same. The gospel always comes from the outside. It doesn't come from the privileged and the rich. It comes from the outside. Jesus was a stranger in his own culture. And yet he was the Messiah of the world. He was the answer to everything. He was, he was the one who came in with signs and wonders and healing and miracles to change people's view of the world. And so he says to him, rise, uh, your faith has made you well. The word well, by the way, is the word sozo, which we know in, in Greek mean, means healing and deliverance and salvation that now you're a son of the kingdom. Now you've found a home. Now you've come to where you you, you belong and your healing is not just skin deep. And as he always does, he says, I want you to rise and go. You remember the woman at the well, the one who had been married for five times, her her life is a complete train wreck. She's the witness to her people. The garrison demoniac who terrorized his whole neighborhood for years, he is the witness to his own people when he gets healed. This guy, the leper, is now the witness back to his people. So every time people are healed and Restored and renewed. These rejected one. These the last one anyone would ever choose is the one Jesus chooses and says. So now I want you to go tell your story to your people. Go tell them the story to your people. Our hope and prayer is is those that we we pray for, those that we love on, those that we don't judge and condemn, but we stand with. That they're healed, that they're touched, and now they go and tell their story to their people. Would you stand with me? I want the worship team to come forward if they, if they would. And here's what, what happens. Let me ask you, how many of you in the room have been praying for a family member, a loved one? It could even be someone at work, whatever it may be. How many of you have been praying for someone in that category for a long time? Can you lift your hands? Lift your hands up high. Okay, just about everybody in, in the room, a good three-quarters of you. You've been, praying, you've been praying for somebody. And by the way, that's good. And bless your perseverance. And keep doing it. And keep loving on on that person and pursuing them. But just one impression. Sometimes when we get monofocused, we lose our spiritual peripheral vision. Because we've been focused on this one person or one family or one thing. And by the way, again, I want you to hear, that's not bad. Keep praying for them. But what happens is, We lose our ability to hear and to see what God is doing around us immediately because we're so focused on the one thing. And we lose our spiritual peripheral vision. What happens then? We lose sight of what God is doing right around us every day. Whether it be on the sidewalk, on the driveway, in the supermarket parking lot, in the aisle of the supermarket parking lot where I've talked with people in the doctor's office, in your classroom, at work, have you lost your peripheral vision? You don't see who's around you? They're dying. They're dying. They're lonely, and they're scared, and they don't have answers, and they watch the world getting crazier and crazier. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, I pray that you would now heal our peripheral vision. That, Lord, you, you would touch us for those places and those times where we've lost the ability to see those that you love right next to us. And so pray, I pray, Lord, that you would restore, that we'd let you restore. We would ask you to restore our peripheral vision spiritually speaking, our ability to hear and to see what you're doing with those that are right around us. Would you pray something out loud with me? Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit, come. One more time, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit come. Heal my peripheral vision. Heal Heal my hearing. Heal my hearing. Show, me Show me what you're doing with those that you love, with those that, you love. that are all around me. All around In Jesus' name.